Hello and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Frank Lopez. Since starting his coaching journey in 2004, Frank has built up a wealth of experience in the youth male and female games, including time spent at Barnet FC Academy and at AFC Wimbledon, both in the academy and as the women's first team coach. He is now the under-23s coach at Brisbane City Football Club in Australia, having moved there recently for the second time. I caught up with Frank to talk about how coaches can go about preparing youth team players for senior football, what the appropriate level of challenge looks like, and why many coaches stick with their roles despite little financial reward. Frank, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much, Steph. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, great to have you. Um, so we're going to talk a bit today, I think, mainly around preparing youth players for, for senior football. But before we get into that, I was wondering if you could give the listeners a bit of an overview of who you are and your football journey and some of your coaching roles. Um, my journey's taken me sort of all over the place. Um, I've lived most of my life in London, but had a couple of spells in Brisbane, where I've currently been for the last year, having also lived here previously a while back um, to Brisbane, Australia. Um, while I was in London, I managed to really go from starting out as a level one coach back in 2004, uh, managing to make it all the way to my A license in 2018. So it was a long journey, it took 14 years to get there. And what I find since I've got my, since getting my A license has actually given me the confidence to say in a coaching context that I don't know, which can be hard to say as a coach. Um, and you realize that, you know, you get to a license. And when you first start out, the idea of getting that kind of license, you think, I'll be done by then. I'll, I'll, I'll know it all. And then you actually realize, like in life, how much you don't know. Um, along the way, I've been lucky enough to um, coach um, at a couple of uh, coach well, academy youth level, at a couple of professional clubs, um, AFC Wimbledon when they were in League Two a few years back, and also Barnet when they were also in League Two. Um, and a few of those players I've coached at under 13, 14, 15s have gone on to um, get into early stage professional careers. So that's been great. Um, I've also been a coach at AFC Wimbledon Ladies first team, but also under 23s and 16s. And um, it's given me a real good sort of overview of a lot of areas of sort of youth football transitioning into senior football. And now I'm in Brisbane. I'm coaching at a state league club, um, an under 23s team, and the club's called Brisbane City FC. So that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Awesome. Thanks, Frank. So you've kind of really ran the gamut there I think of a lot of different ages a lot of different you know stages of football yeah I'm wondering what your take is on you know it's it's a hot topic it's always been a hot topic on on academies and when what age we should start looking to get kids into those kind of more Mm -hmm. I guess more formal structured football settings Mm -hmm. tricky one um you know when you know a lot of academies start with under eights under nines and the likelihood is statistically that whoever you've got is in an under nine team, um, it's unlikely any any of those will be the ones that go on to be professional footballers. Um, I think it was, don't, well, I say don't quote me on this, but I think it was Bayern Munich um, a couple of years ago. They kind of scrapped um, 
their academy um, at below under 12s and they decided that their their, their money would be better spent um, actually building relationships with local clubs to um, assist with the coaching standards so that more players would be would have access to perhaps better coaching better standards uh, align a little with a, a bit with the Bayern Munich philosophy rather than concentrating all their funding into just their own academy squads which would be a much narrower group of players um now i don't know in england how many clubs have followed that but it's certainly something that was discussed widely um, across a lot of academy coaches um at academy level so it would be interesting to see um how many clubs do that or have done that um in fact i'm going back a few years but brentford um they scrapped their academy entirely i think from below under 23 level um and again, they they pre felt that it was more cost effective, but also in terms of um, st- or st- strategically that they were pretty better just casting their net wider and um, like impacting community, like coaches at community around the area, rather than focusing their efforts on just um, their own youngsters. Um, there's no right or wrong answer, but it depends on the club approach. Um, but there's a combination with a lot of clubs who will go into the community and and look to support local coaches, and that's really important, and it helps build relationships. Um, the effectiveness of having your own academy age groups at a young age, um, it really depends who you ask, I would say. So within that, for you as a coach, when you've been coaching some of these, you know, youth youth teams, how... Mm-hmm aware have you been that you might be coaching potential senior footballers has, has that been part of your focus or I guess what yeah what does your focus look like yeah um so this varies from club to club um as well um so one club which I've not worked at but they were well known um they were a Premier League club um they were well known for really almost explicitly in each age group um, focusing their coaching on two or three standout players from each age group with the other players really intended to support players to give those players a, a platform of a team um, with the expectation that those players would go on and 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 make it, so to speak. Um, now, most clubs don't do that, but there are always discussions within academies of the likely players to just be retained at the end of their two-year cycle. So typically... Um, an under 12 player will either be retained for another two years or released. Um, usually along the way, they're given markers of how they're doing. So the hope is that when it comes to release slash retain, it's not a shock to a player. If they're released, it doesn't come out of the blue. Um, that, so that's something clubs try and, and have in place. Um, but it's um, it never ceases to amaze me just how players sometimes come almost out of nowhere uh, and, and make it. Um, there was, um, there's a guy in the AFC Wimbledon first team now who's been really successful like two or three years and he he came in from grassroots club under 14. Um, then you've got another uh, another teammate of his, um, the first team who's been there all the way through from under nines and through the academy system at AFC Wimbledon. Um, Equally, there's yeah, there's just players who you perhaps think are on the cusp sometimes of not being retained at under 14s level, and they go on and really succeed. And one such player I can think of that was um, in one of the age groups when uh, when I was in an academy who who went on to get success with the England youth setup. Um, and they're not necessarily ones that you you see coming, I suppose, when they're younger. And equally, 
um, standout players at under 14 sometimes maybe don't develop technically um, or tactically during those key teenage years and by under 17s they're back to playing perhaps sort of non-league when uh, maybe that wasn't the expectation when they were a bit younger. Yeah I was I know we were talking before um, we were recording about the team that I coach and when you're talking I'm thinking about there's some girls in my team that I thought when they arrived they were just there for a bit of fun and they were better players and then it's constantly evolving you know month on Mm -hmm. month actually you know whether we work on different stuff someone might be more skilled in that that then brings up their confidence level so Mm -hmm. do you think it's kind of do you think it's dangerous to make those assumptions sometimes so early on about how who might go on and and be professional it's yeah I think as long as you're always asking yourself as a coach as long as you're always asking yourself the question or or, or being prepared to challenge your belief about a player at any one moment um I think I don't think there's anything wrong with maybe giving a little bit more focus at your most talented under 13 or under 14 but have in mind that some that another under 13 who might not be an obvious standout um, might find an inner motivation suddenly at that age that wasn't there a year ago that will drive them to be the best they can because you know under 13 under 14 their motivations can change very quickly and someone who perhaps was coasting a bit might suddenly think wow I want this I really want to improve myself um, whereas another one might just have other distractions and kind of just go off the boil a bit so yes I think as a coach work on your strongest players I think as a coach if you if you have your strongest players on side it helps you um have the respect to the group so that's a coaching strategy I think anyway um but be prepared to perhaps just challenge your 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 views about which players are most likely to to get through like always be reviewing that in your mind and and be prepared that some players will suddenly break through have a breakthrough season and perhaps those who you thought were in the lead might kind of fall back Speaking about, I guess, players' motivations and aspirations, how much do you actually have conversations with those players about those things? It's, um, yeah, it's certainly set into academy structure and um, a, a quote I often hear, and it's only in recent years that I've really started to act more on it, is to coach the person rather than the player. Um, another quote I hear a lot is, players don't care what you know until you know what they care um so just given a couple of quotes there that um a lot of coaches will be familiar with but they're they're interesting quotes they're just basically a way of saying get to know your player um get to understand your player yes as a coach you need to try and learn the game always but also know who your player is um so many players have different different motivated by different things some some want to win some want to be the best they can be individually. Um, some are there for the social element and their motivation is to not let their teammates down. Um, others um, just want to be the top goal scorer, whatever it might be. So they've all got different motivations and um, a lot of it comes out in, in conversations unexpectedly. You get little gems just by having two minutes after training with one player or two minutes with another player at the next training session, you can really get little gems or you can pull a player to one side during a session and perhaps just ask them, what made you do that instead of that? What was, what was your thought process? And you can really, even in just that 30, 60, 30 to 60 second conversation pitch side while a training session is going on, you can really get an, an insight into maybe how a player feels about risk perhaps. Uh, they saw an opportunity they wanted to take the risk or perhaps they played safe and that can really give you a good insight into how to 
affect a player. So if we talk a bit about, um, I guess, the comparisons between <coughs> football and senior football, for you, what are, I guess, what are the, how does senior football differ? And are there things that you see a lot of players maybe struggle with or, or common themes when players are moving from a youth setup into a senior setup? So um, with players, there's a, there's a, um, there's a very marked trans- transition kind of when you start getting to under 18s level, um, where the result becomes starts to become more important. Um, you know, a question that coaches often ask themselves and discuss um, is at what age does the result matter? Obviously, once you get into the first team environment, it's about getting the result. I mean, you, you, you would look as a player breaking into that to always be looking to self-improve um, on an ind- individual level anyway, which is something we could come back to actually separately. But also um, it becomes all about the result because you're then playing for a manager who's, whose job is depending on getting points on the board. Um, you sort of take it back to maybe an under-16 level and it's still very much about developing as a player, developing as a group and just demonstrating the right style of play, the right attributes um, to be retained for under-18 level. So that transition is is a, a really key one for a player kind of going into under-18s environment where it's the buffer between style of football and development versus getting results. And it becomes, I think it becomes, and this might not be directly linked to your question, but um, a a, a big factor becomes really um, a player's self-motivation to improve. Um, I think those players who, who make it tend to be the ones who don't just rely on the coach to improve them, but rely on themselves as the primary the primary driver of their improvement. So I'm going to split this into two. Tell me if you think it's a, it's a good split, but I I guess I'm thinking about technical and tactical aspects and preparation for senior football <laughs> and then more of the emotional mindset kind of aspects. So if we start with the the technical and tactical, what <laughs> should coaches at the youth <laughs> stages, I guess kind of building up through the youth stages, what should they be doing to prepare pr- players on a from a technical and tactical perspective? Um, We need to give players different tools to go away and almost develop themselves or take ownership of their development. Um, In in many careers, um, we we have, you know, we have to go through qualifications and um, take, you know, exams even long after we left school and study and continuously self-improve. Um, I feel that's hap- that happens increasingly in in many sports, including football. Um, I feel the time. I think the time will come in certainly Premier League, where there's plenty of money, um, where each player will have an individual coach. Um, I, th- I think I can see that being a, a future and uh, or a development in the not distant future. Obviously, where you know once you get sort of into the, the League One, League Two levels, perhaps that money's not there. But a lot of players at that level um, do hire an individual coach for, for perhaps a couple of hours a week to work on their strengths, but also their weaknesses. Um, and um, so, so I, th- I think as a as a team coach, as a co- coach of a an age group, it's important to empower players to say you know you're going to get this from me as your co- as your team coach for you know two hours on the pitch and perhaps a video analysis and, and so on you might get four hours a day of contact time with your coach as part of a group 
But if that player can then go away perhaps and have one-on-one coaching or self-develop or take ownership of what areas they need to improve on um, for maybe an hour a day, that could be very valuable. And I, I think that can be a real um, a real help for a player who's perhaps on the borderline of whether they'll make it or not, whether they actually make that transition. And then, you know, I'm going to say this like I've done it. I haven't done it. I was going to say CD football's tough. Not that, not that I've played it to, to a high standard, but... You know, for, on that kind of emotional mindset side, are there ways we can look to prepare youth players for some of the tough times that might lie ahead? Mm. Yes, um, I would say I think a, a common theme um, in the in when I've been in the academy environment is to to challenge players almost to the point where there will be times that they fail, because you you have to to make it professionally you have to develop a resilience mental and physical resilience you have to from physical perspective you have to be able to you know perform when you're tired and your body's wanting you to stop so you have to find that proverbial extra 10 percent. but also mentally there'll be times when it's not your day it's not your best day and you have to dig deep and perhaps trust the technique that you spent hours and hours working on um, or find a way to perhaps mentally unblock yourself. How do you turn a bad performance into an okay performance or an okay, okay performance into good performance? So mental and physical resilience are important and it's, it can be hard as a coach when you're, when you're coaching a, a group of players to almost, almost at times set them up to fail. Um, but there's, that can help development provided it's done in the right way. Um, and if perhaps a player doesn't meet a challenge at a certain time, how do we help them fight through that? And that certainly if we're looking to get them into a high level performance or high performance environment, we need to offer players challenges that they perhaps sometimes they're not ready for. And so that they can break through whatever their ceiling is at that, that moment. Sometimes they'll make it and they have a huge smile and self-satisfaction when they do and sometimes they won't and how can we work with them to overcome that do you think a big part of it is them having trust in you as a coach maybe to allow you to do that that's a I think that's a good question um it's probably a two-way thing I think yes yeah, certainly trust from the player um it develops through challenges if we give if we give players an easy ride then players can coast and they know they don't have to necessarily push themselves. Um, If we can give players an appropriate challenge, something that pushes them, but we feel they can achieve, then sometimes you get a feeling, even as a player, as a coach, of achieving that together and making that leap together. And that helps build trust. And yes, a trust from the player versus to the coach, but you also as a coach have to trust yourself, which isn't always easy. Um, Are you doing the right thing by the player? Um, But also you have to, I suppose, put some trust in the player as well. Um, And sometimes you might see a player's not quite ready for it, or sometimes they'll surprise you and they're ready for more than you realised. Is it important as well to think about, I guess, that line between pressure and challenge and also fun and enjoyment? Yes, um, the, the the perfect session, I think, the, the holy grail as a coach is to come away from a session where all the players have enjoyed it 
and all the players have learned something new. Um, I don't think I'll come away from a session feeling that way. Um, I've done it for some players um, to a big extent or a lot of players to a small extent. So I'm still chasing that holy grail. I think the there's the, yeah the ch- setting appropriate challenge if you pitch the challenge near perfectly players tend to enjoy it um you can give a session that's too easy and players can co- coast or one that's too hard and players get frustrated so pitch the challenge adjust the challenge during a session and generally if the challenge is appropriate if it's just the right amount of challenge i think players tend to enjoy that Final question kind of on on this topic. Um, how important is it to liaise, I guess, with coaches, you know, previous coach at a different age group, next coach in the age group, group up? How important is it to kind of have those relationships and manage the, the players' progress through those stages? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think, yeah, that's, that's a really valid point. Um, ideally, you'd I think as any age group coach, you you ideally want to do want to know what's going on at the age group below and above, especially if players play across age groups. Um, it's easy to forget sometimes that um, most coaches who are developing future players have got full-time jobs outside of football. Um, there's so much we'd like to do that we just don't have time for, for time for. So we have to prioritise um and probably that I'd say, you know, you prioritise the players, the people in front of you, going back to my earlier point about coach the person before you coach the player. So that that's probably, I'd say that's a priority. And yes, if you're sort of looking to add the icing on the cake, know what's going on in the age group each side of you, because you might coach it, be coaching next season's under 12s, um, or some of those under 12s might be playing in your under 13s this season, or some, or perhaps one or two of your under 13s. Are they ready to have a to try and play up with the under 14s um, over one of the coming weeks? It helps to know what the under 14s have got. So I think, yes, ideally, know what's going on either side, but equally we owe it to ourselves as coaches to prioritize as well. Well, you've led me really nicely, Frank, on to, on to the next question then. Um, so I think you're one of quite a few coaches at the minute that have you know posted something something recently about um I guess coaches getting lost or moving out of the game because of the lack of you know financial reward and I'm not even particularly talking about you know a a salary sometimes it's just enough Mm -hmm. to cover you know your travel expenses or or the time you put in um Mm -hmm. and it's not always it's not always feasible like you say when people are working other jobs or they they have time limits do you think, I guess, that's a fundamental flaw with, you know, with football and, and the coaching setup that um, it's not it's not always easy. You have to really love coaching sometimes to, to push through and carry on. Yeah, um, I don't really know what the answer is, because um, I think everyone in sort of League One, League Two academies, even championship academies who might be struggling to make a living from coaching even an under 16 team knows that you know if you can be one of the absolute elite coaches and get into a Premier League academy yes you can earn a living you won't you probably won't get rich from it unless you get close to or around the first team environment but um you're um yeah there's a challenge it's a sacrifice and part of the reason is it's a sacrifice because 
so many coaches aspire to do what you're doing once you're sort of coaching at a, at a, at a high level. And as you say, I think even a lot of League One, League Two academies, in my experience, you're you're barely covering your expenses and and you're probably to do a to do yourself justice as a coach with a, a youth team at academy level you really have to be putting in 20 to 30 hours a week and if you've got a full-time job as well uh which pays the bills um it, it's 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 difficult to do both so uh, um probably a lot of c- coaches have a go at it see where the first year or two take them and a lot decide okay i've got to move on um i can't do this for a living or i can't give it five years of you know of struggling buying expenses to see if i can make it so that's yeah it's a it's an unfortunate fact of life um it's easy to say yeah clubs should throw more money at it but that's not the reality so it's a challenge you've really got to make sacrifices to see if you cut out to perhaps reach the very top if that's what you want to do as a coach or else accept that you know really the role of a coach ultimately is to work with the players that you got today and just be the best coach you can be for those players so final question then I guess those challenges sacrifices all the different stuff that comes with coaching what is it that's kept you coaching and in the game for so long despite all of those it's it's the hope or the um, the ambition. I want to I want to go as far as I can with it. I want to see what my ceiling is as a coach, and maybe I've reached it, maybe I haven't, but i I haven't I haven't yet hit the point where I feel I've found out what my ceiling is. So I want to keep going, and once I know what my ceiling is, my decision then becomes: Am I happy to continue putting the hours in now, um, or not? <laughs> Um, but it's important, I think, as a coach, whatever, wherever you want to get to, it's imp- so important to to enjoy the journey because the journey is going to form the bulk of your coaching career and the actual destination itself might only be a small part of that. So it's it's really important to enjoy the journey and not lose sight of that. That was the voice of Frank Lopez. Thanks to Frank for his time and brilliant insight. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.